Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Oh, so good to be here. So good to see all of you beautiful people. A lot of beautiful people here tonight. Uh, anyway, uh, let's keep Sister Cindy in prayer. They had to leave because she was experiencing uh, a bad earache. So, you know, we want to pray for her that she'll be okay and will be with us hopefully on Sunday. They just left a, a few minutes ago. Anyway, welcome to Potter's House, Coral Springs. Amen. I hope you're excited to see this old Cuban up here again. Hey. <laughs> you're not old. Anyway. Amen. So this father was at home from work with his eight-year-old daughter, and he wanted to keep her busy because this daughter was, it was a teacher work day, so she was at home. Mom was working. He wanted to keep her busy, so he saw that there was a, a picture, a paper, of a, of a world map on the kitchen table. You might have heard the story. So he thought, hmm, I know she's going to be bothering me all during my time that I have to do work at home. So what he did was he got a pair of scissors and he cut as much as he could the picture of the world map. And he knew that he was going to challenge his daughter. And so he went up to his daughter and he said to her, I want to give you this and I want to see if you can put this together. It's a picture of the world map. And I want to see if you can put it together. When you have it put together, come and see me in my den. All right? So the daughter was excited because she's worked before with, with puzzles. And that was a challenge for her, like it is to a lot of kids, that they like to be challenged or they get bored to death. So the father left, went to his den. The daughter sat at the kitchen table and started looking at the pieces, turning them over, looking at them, all this and that. Five minutes later, she is done. And she went to the father <clears throat> with, she had put the, uh, um, the completed map on top of a cardboard or something, and she took it to her father in the den. And the father was dumbfounded. He was like, what, what are you doing here? It's only been five or seven minutes. And she said, Dad, I'm done. How, how could you be done? And here's what she said to him. When I realized that in the back of the picture of the, of the world map was a picture of Jesus, all I had to do was connect the face of Jesus and the whole world fell into place. So think about that for a minute. Think about that for a minute. Because, you know, we're, we're in such a broken world, a world full of chaos. But what happens sometimes to a lot of us walking in this world is we forget to put the face of Jesus in our lives to know that we are to honor him. And no matter what the world is going through, no matter what chaos, what craziness is happening, because you hear it every day, every day. I, I gotta tell you, I just heard today that in Colorado, in Colorado, they're passing a law 
that now you're going to be able to get magic mushrooms. Oh my goodness, you're talking about what's next, LSD? But that's the chaos in this world. And so being able to put in our minds a picture of who Jesus is in our heart is what brings value to what our existence is in this world of ours. So the title of this message tonight is are we truly seeing God's big picture? Are we truly seeing God's big picture? So let's go to God together. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for the message tonight that you will provide through the Holy Spirit. Again, as I always say, Lord Jesus, I can never do it justice. But place in me, Lord Christ, what you want me to say and what you want me not to say, Father God, that will honor you and will deliver men, Father God. Those listening at home and those here tonight with us. In your precious name we pray, amen. So tonight we're going to be navigating on the book of Isaiah chapter 5 and a couple of other scriptures. So Isaiah chapter 5, which is a powerful, powerful chapter. And I want to give you a little bit of background information on Isaiah 5, God is speaking to the prophet Isaiah, okay? And he's speaking to him in parable, like Jesus spoke to his disciples many times in parables. And this is the parable, if you remember Isaiah, of the vineyard, the vineyard. This is a parable of the vineyard. The importance of having a vineyard, I want to share with you, in the Hebrew life, and even today, is because back then it was very common. And it was a great source of income for those farmers, call them farmers, call them grape uh, growers, whatever you want to call them. But it was a great source of income for them and food and drink. Christ often referred to the vineyard in his word or in his teachings as divine, okay? So if we could, let's, let's open up with Isaiah. Let's go to Isaiah chapter five, verses one and two. Isaiah chapter five, verses one and two. Now let me sing to my well-beloved, a son of my beloved, regarding his vineyard. My well-beloved has a vineyard on a very fruitful hill. He dug it up and cleared out his stones and planted it with choice vine. He built a tower in the midst and also made a wine press in it. So he expected it to bring forth good grapes, but it brought forth wild grapes. And you can look at wild grapes and define it, maybe grapes that were not <laughs> right to eat. Maybe grapes that would not give any type of nutrition when there were wild grapes. So a vineyard planted right has many advantages. So it's got to be planted right even today. Even today. Many advantages. If planted right, it will be, it will give much great fruit. And we're talking, we're referring to grapes. Now, raise your hand if you enjoy eating grapes like I do. 
Do you know, do you know grapes are very healthy for you? And, and this message is not about health and grapes. But I eat, I eat grapes every day. Every day I eat grapes. And the two of the healthiest grapes, if, uh, if, you, can, if you can get them, okay, are the black grapes and the red grapes. And, and, and Pastor Pam will tell you, I eat them every day. And they provide great health. So if planted right, it will bear much fruit, meaning wonderful grapes, not wild grapes. Everything must be prepared right. And I know a lot of you know that have, I mean, Pastor Pam came home with three of the biggest avocados I've ever seen. They look more like watermelons or they look more like honeydews. I mean, I was like, whoa. So you know we have a great farmer sitting in the audience that knows how to, how to grow these wonderful, wonderful fruits and vegetables and we thank her for that. No offense, I don't like avocados even though they're good for you. I don't eat avocados, but Pastor Pam loves them. I think she can eat them in her sleep if she could. So it must be prepared right and the ground dug up correctly, okay? Clearing out things in a way like stones. Now I want you to start thinking, I'm going somewhere with this, because I'm actually talking about you and I. So I want you to think deeply about what a vineyard means. Clearing out in his way like stones planted with the best vine must be protected, and lastly, it must be processed. So think about the book of John, chapter 15, what Jesus says. I am the vine. What is he saying? You are the branches. And when he goes on saying, if you remain in me, I will remain in you. Think about that. It's a connection here with the vineyard. Apart from Christ, you and I know that we can do nothing. Amen. Nothing at all apart from Christ. And if the more we can convey this to, the, to this broken, chaotic world, the more people are going to be saved and be able to have what we have, and that's eternal life with Jesus Christ. So this vineyard story is most important. So search, so, so church, we surrender all of our being to Christ each and every day, each and every day. We confess our sins and we ask him into our lives. He redeems us, gives us a new heart, provides the helper, the Holy Spirit. So this message is connected to almost the one I gave, I, I was blessed to deliver last time about the heart. It is so important, and the, why, that's why the heart is brought out here, okay? Because this is where this vineyard is being planted by Christ in your life, in my life. But many of us fail to bring a fruitful heart that glorifies the Lord. I think that's worth repeating. And, and you heard Pastor Chris mention a little bit about this that is so important because of the fact that if our heart is not right with God, what, what good are we to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to anyone we run into and even at church? Our heart has to be right with God, okay? So that we can bear fruit. And all of us go through it. 
All of us go through tough times. All of us go through times when we go, oh my goodness, I don't even know if I can step in church because I've, been, I've done some wicked stuff. But you know, the beauty of Jesus is he always has that door right there unlocked. Unless I lock it. I lock it a lot of times when when uh, Bishop Lyle is coming up here because I don't want people, I, I think it's not right. Okay, I know sometimes you get late and all that, but I lock the door. But God always has that door unlocked for you and I. No matter if you've fallen, no matter if you backslid, no matter if you said something to someone that you would never have said to that to them. That's that's a that, that's the love that Pastor Chris was talking about. That's the love of Jesus. That's the vineyard we're talking about here. We are dealing here with something worse than unfruitfulness when we talk about this. Our fruit becomes dead works which pollute our heart. And there it is again. This vineyard that God places in our heart becomes fruitless because of the fact if we do not cultivate that which Jesus placed in us through the Holy Spirit, we fail. We fail miserably. And I know some of us will say, oh man, I'm just having a bad day. Well, if you're having a bad day, immediately go to Christ. He's your answer. He's my answer. Don't just accept the bad day. Oh my God. I'm having a bad day, so I'm sure everything is going to go wrong for me. Do you know? I know people like that. And I try to tell them, why do you always speak not of joy in your heart that God has blessed you so much? You're alive. You can see. You can hear. You can talk. You can breathe. Why? Why is it always? And I've known people like this at the gym and even in my own family. That every time they speak, and, and not anymore because I had, I had told him, listen, I don't want to speak with you if all you want to say is the ugliness and the unfairness that you think you live in. We all live in a chaotic world, but God gives us, gave us new life to have his joy, to walk in joy, to walk in his truth, and to share his gospel with others. And how do we do that? By loving one another. It's as simple as that. By loving one another. So our fruit becomes dead words which pollute our hearts. If you could, go to 2 Kings chapter 4. 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 39 to 40. And the word of God says, <clears throat> So one went out into the field, to gather herbs and found a wild vine and gathered from it lap full of wild gourds and came and sliced them into a pot of stew. Listen to this. Though they did not know what they were. Here's what happens to that heart. Then they served it to men to eat. Now it happened as they were eating the stew, S-T-E-W, that they cried out and said, Man of God, there is death in this pot. And they could not eat it. So what is this in reference to? What is God trying to tell us here? Well, Christ plants a beautiful, strong vineyard in your heart and in my heart when we surrender all to him. 
He plants that thing in. He gives us the Holy Spirit. And he plans uh, a life of what? A life of hope in the future. Because that's what Jesus wants for us. Because we were made to serve him. And he wants the best for us. No matter what we're going through. He planted this vineyard in our lives. Do we tend, <clears throat> I'm sorry, <clears throat> do we tend to bring bring honor to God or to build ourselves or, or to build ourselves up? Don't forget about that question. Sometimes what comes out of our actions or doing brings poison to our lives and the lives of others. That's why this vineyard that has been gifted to you and I is to be cultivated, is to be prayed over, and is to be glorified, not for you and I, but for the glory of God. And that's the only way we can exist and walk in Jesus. We're talking about walking Him. We're all aware of how much was given to the, to Jesus by God when we set them when He set them free from captivity, from men and themselves, over and over in the Bible. And we see that in so many stories. Over and over, from the time he delivered them from Egypt, okay, over and over, we see how God kept on delivering them and making a way for them. He had planted that vineyard in their hearts. But again, some of them allowed, because they were never processing it, they were never cultivating it, allow their hearts to become hard. Allow their hearts to become hard. Yet the glorious vineyard that was planted in them by the Holy Father wilted away. And that can happen in you and in me. Wilted away, died off, produced no Christ-like fruit. So what am I trying to say here? We always want to be that vine that produces Christ-like fruit. Okay? Sometimes God needs to prove us a little bit. Needs to cut us up a little bit, mold us a little bit, shape us a little bit. And if we are in Christ and He is truly in us, we're going to allow that to happen. We're not going to be angry. We're not going to say, and we do sometimes, we're not going to say, why me? Why me? Because then it becomes all about you. It does not become about Christ. It becomes about you. And listen, all of us, all of us fall short of the glory. All of us. No one in this room is above anybody else. Amen. No one. That's true. God loves us all the same. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. That he doesn't that he doesn't love a bishop or a pastor or a chaplain or, or a pope or more than he loves you. Amen. <laughs> he loves all of us the same. He wants us to be lifted up always on his wings. That we have this wonderful, wonderful vineyard that was planted in us, producing fruit. Producing fruit of what? Of righteousness. Producing fruit of holiness. Producing fruit of faithfulness. No, no, I, I got my water over there. I, I'm okay. Well, Pastor Pam, if you don't mind bringing my water, I, I really, but thank you, thank you. You're, you're so wonderful. No, I have water. I still have water. And I think that water was blessed, so I, I want to continue. Holy. <laughs> holy water. You're not supposed to drink holy water. Thank you, Pastor Payne. 
So, so I want you for a minute to think about the story of King Hezekiah. He was an honorable king. He was a king that came and, and placed a lot of reforms. He was a king that tore down statues. He was a king that honored God. Hezekiah. Okay? And, and God blessed him. God favored him in battle. God favored him in, in whatever he was doing. And Isaiah came upon the scene, the prophet, son of Maus. He came upon the scene so he would receive a lot of what the prophet had to say. And a lot, of course, what God had to say to him. But here's what happened. This king was going, you know, getting older in his age. He got very ill. He got very ill. And he started asking God to save him, to, to heal him. And the king of Babylon overheard what was going on with him. And so Isaiah, the prophet, came to him and said, you must get your house in order. Because your life is leaving you very soon. But he, he, King Hezekiah kept praying. And then things changed in a wonderful way. The prophet came back to him. And the prophet said to him, because God knows who you are. God knows your heart. Right? Remember, this king was blessed with riches was blessed with a wonderful army, was blessed with people that were dedicated to him because they honored him, because he honored God. So Isaiah was told by the prophet, God is saying that you will, he will give you 15 more years, 15 more years on this earth. And, I, and of course, Hezekiah was like overwhelmed but here's where it takes a turn, which can happen to any one of us. Yeah. If we're not careful with our vineyard, if we're not careful to keep processing it, to keep honoring, with, honoring it with the word of God, thinking that without Christ, again, we're nothing, we're no one. So the king, this king of Babylon, this is way before King Nebuchadnezzar, send this envoy, you know, these agents of his, to bring him a present and to wish him well. And what did Hezekiah do? Hezekiah was all puffed up. And he wanted to show the rooms in his house and how much wealth he had. And look at my army and look at this and go, look at that. This is before Hezekiah went to God and Isaiah about what he was going to do when these people, these two people were coming to visit him from the Babylonian Empire. Oh boy. He didn't do it for God's glory, as the word says. He did it because, oh, they're going to recognize me as being a powerful king, of looking on the wealth I have and all the people that are that are faithful to me and will fight for me and this nation. Never giving God the praise, the glory, and the honor. 
Instead of meeting with this um, the envoy, uh, envoy of two people coming in, these agents, and saying, thank you, thank you for coming, wishing me well, but I'm all about my God. That wasn't his case. So Isaiah comes back to him later and says to him, I want you to know. Of course, he put, I'm not going to go through the whole story, but he put him through questioning. Isaiah already knew the answer that he had betrayed the, the living God, right? He betrayed him because what happens to us, we betray God when situations in our lives that we're mad, upset, or whatever becomes about us. And we forget about others and we forget about the Holy One, Jesus Christ. And, we, and again, I, I keep saying this, all of us are guilty of this. So, Isaiah said to him, because of what you've done, soon the nation of Babylon will own everything you have. Everything that your father before you and you was, was blessed by God to have, to fortify the city, to, to bring wealth to, to the communities and to honor God. You will lose it all. And your people will be enslaved by the Babylonians and become Enoch's and, and become servants of the Babylonian Empire. Who is the prophet referring to? King Nebuchadnezzar. A hundred years later. So we must be so careful of understanding that the vineyard has to be kept strong. We have to be vigilant in, in bringing the gospel of Christ and never, ever, ever compromising any of the grapes in the vineyard. What do I mean by that? Never compromising the word of God. That's what Hezekiah was doing because he wanted, he compromised the word, the, the, the the wonderful word of God, the, the power of the Lord, to make himself look big and puffed up. And these are the things that we have to think about and be careful. Can you go to Isaiah chapter 5, verses 3 and 4? We're three quarters of the way home. Isaiah chapter 5, verses 3 and 4 says, And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judea, Judge, please, between me and my vineyard. Mm. What more could have been done to my vineyard that I have not done in it? This is God speaking. Why then, when I expected it to bring forth good grapes, did it bring forth wild grapes? Grapes that were not worthy. Grapes that were no good. If what we, if what was planted in our lives by Jesus does not produce good grapes, okay? Like love one another, be patient with one another, encourage each other with the gospel of Jesus Christ, forgive one another. This is a vineyard of God. If you really truly believe that you're a believer, you're saved by Christ, these, this vineyard exists inside of you Amen. through the Holy Spirit, okay? Encourage each other, lift each other up, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Forgive one another. Our grapes that are deep in our hearts will be rotten. 
if we don't practice that. And some of us go through that. I'm sorry to tell you. Me too. Some of us go through those rotten moments when we don't we forget to ask ourselves, if what I'm about to do, is it gonna honor Jesus Christ? I've caught myself many times and I'm so thankful to the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit said to me at the gym, oh no, don't do that. And I was about to say something to someone because I was upset of the way they were saying things about me. I could hear them. Oh, you remember I told you this before. Oh, he's just a religious guy. What the heck is that? But I forget that God is about love. And God is about letting them know it's not about religion. You don't beat him up over the head with the Bible. You love him, but you're bold with his word. You don't compromise his word. Because if you compromise his word, you're joining everybody else in the world. What good are you and I for him? No good, no, not good at all. So, so what is it? So, what is it to blame? Who is to blame in our wicked ways? A lot of us sometimes want to blame, blame God. Well, I am this way. You know, you, some of you were, you weren't even born. I know Bishop Lyle knows this because him and I are pretty close in age. You remember Flip Wilson, the famous comedian, actor. He would say, the devil made me do it. The devil made me do it. I know some of us may say, well, I, I'm having a bad day. It wasn't me, man. No, it was not me. Give me a break. We're all, again, fall short of the glory of God. Each and every one of us. No one here in this room and no one sitting at home listening we can never achieve the perfect, perfect love of Jesus, the perfect will of Jesus, the perfect faith of Jesus. Because we all fall short. But isn't it great that Jesus still leaves that door unlocked for you and I to come back in that door? That is great. And I don't want to be in a church that doesn't keep that door always open. doesn't mean you have to accept the foolishness of the world inside this church. But you know what? you got to tell people, listen, at the door, if you're about hope and a future in Christ, you're in the right place. Come on in right now. That's what it, that's what it should be all about. It should be all about that. Thank you, Lord. So, if we're not cultivating this vineyard that lives within us, that God implanted in us, it will never grow good fruit. The grapes that I've been talking to you about that I love to eat every day, every single day of my life. Every soul of men and women has a chance of becoming a fruitful vineyard but what happens when we allow the old wicked self to come back in our lives? It happens to any one of us. Any one of us. It becomes the reverse in our lives. We embrace darkness. We welcome sin deeper in our lives 
and we produce the wickedness of thorns and poisonous grapes. It is definitely, it is definitely to no, no failure in either the wisdom or grace of God. It's not because God has failed you, you and I. And it's not because we do not receive the grace of God. We receive the grace of God. That's why we're still alive. The grace and mercy of God. Amen. Go to 2 Corinthians, the last scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. We then, as workers together with him, also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in an acceptable time, I have heard you. And in the day of salvation, I have, I have helped you. Mm. Behold, now it is the accepted time. Behold, now it is the day of salvation. We give no offense in anything that our ministry may not be blamed. But in all things, we commend ourselves as ministers of God in much what? In much patience, tribulations, and needs and distress, in stripes and imprisonments and tumults, in labors of sleepiness, in fasting, by purity, by knowledge, by long suffering. We have to go through that. By kindness, by the Holy Spirit, by sincere love, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness in the right hand and on the left hand, the word of truth. And that's Christ we're talking about, the word of truth. So church, of course, a vineyard does not do anything by itself. I'm sure Sister Emmy just doesn't plant the plants she plants that will bear fruit and just say, okay, I'm done. Lord, bless that plant that it will produce big avocados. She has to keep an eye on that. She's got to make sure that there's no rats roaming around. Oh my goodness, when we arrived at our, our God's house, a lot of you have been to God's house, our house, that God has blessed Pastor Pam and I, there were a lot of fruit trees, but there were also some rats, because rats love fruit, and we also have a lake in the back. So rats came from the water. I didn't even know rats could swim. What the heck? <laughs> were the Cuban rats? Yeah, come, um, it's a joke. It's a joke. Yeah, come across 90 miles swimming. But we as God's vineyard are called to work with the grace of God so that grace is not received in vain. This has to happen every day. The grace of Jesus is not given because of any works that you and I could do. Oh, oh he's going to have more grace than me because oh, he's been so good. No, that's not what God looks at. Let's circle back again. God looks at the heart. God doesn't look at the performance. He looks at your heart and my heart. Okay? So that grace is not received in vain. The grace of Jesus is not given because of any words past, present, or promised yet. It is given to encourage work. Not to ever say, well, I am saved. And further work in our daily walk with Christ is unnecessary. I don't judge anyone, but I gotta say, once saved is not always saved. Because you're gonna run into situations in your life, you think, like Hezekiah the king. 
He thought, oh, I got a passport. I don't have to worry. Man, my roots are full of God's blessing. I don't have to have a care in the world. I'm going to brag about what I have and do nothing to, to glorify God. It doesn't give us a license to continue sinning. When we know we're about to sin, and we just say, oh, it's, it's okay, I'm saved already. <laughs> I'm going to sin all I want. That doesn't honor God. It never honors God, especially if you and I know that we're about to commit sin. Remember, I'm not saying that any one of us will, will fall to sin. All of us are sinners. But when we see sin in front of our face and we think, well, my, my neighbor, he does it. Uh, he told me he's a, a, a Christian. Why can't I do it? Ooh, your vineyard will turn rotten. I will never come to your house to get grapes if you have grapes. Because those grapes will be rotten, wild, tasting horrible. And forget about offering me to give me big, big avocados. Because they might be rotten too. Christ does not want any of us to receive his grace and become passive like what I just said. We are to work hard in the vineyard and work hard in him. Um, I'm sorry. And the work of Jesus will be done because of our covenant with him our obedience to his holy word, our love for him, and our love for others. I got to repeat that again because that's pretty much what Pastor Chris opened up with. And Sister Emmy spoke so much about it, so beautifully. We are to work hard in the vineyard. That means we need to stay in the word. We need to honor God first before we honor anything in this world, okay? Even our children, our husbands and wives, boyfriends. And the work of Jesus will be done because of our covenant. We have that covenant, every one of us sitting in this room, with God. And our obedience, that we're not going to turn to the left or to the right. Remember, that was spoken about on Sunday. God helps us stay on the narrow path and not to sway to the left or to the right because it feels okay and if it feels good, just do it. No, definitely not. If it's not in the straight and narrow path that glorifies God, run. Stay away from it. Kill your flesh. Shoot your flesh. Whatever you want to do, don't let the fle your flesh control you. Because if you and I allow it, and we don't cultivate our vineyard, the flesh starts gaining on us. Before we know it, the flesh is telling us how to live, how to worship, and to leave God in the back seat or even ooh, ooh, in the trunk. So we gotta be most careful. What more can Christ do for you and I? That's the question for the church. What more can the Holy Spirit do for us when we many times do not want to tend to the wonderful vineyard that Jesus has planted in our lives? So, I finish with this. If you and I want to have a wonderful garden, 
you're going to have to have strong faith in Christ to have such a garden grow like Sister Emmy's garden with wonderful fruit sometimes papaya sometimes avocado and sometimes that other mango, mango. mangoes <laughs> there's another fruit that Filipinos love to eat but, but you, you notice the way she understands that you have to cultivate you have to keep an eye I know in her heart she knows how important it is to cultivate what God has blessed her with. Because Jesus will get her, her husband, her family, even the family back in the Philippines, and any one of us in this room, he'll get us through whatever we are going through. Without him, remember, we're nothing. Let's go to God. Father God, Holy One, Precious One, Jesus Christ,